Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing the final round of the Super Prestige which took place in Middelkerke. It was the Nordsee Cross and last year the Belgian Championships were here but now we went back to the normal venue for the cross and with me to discuss that is Isam. Yes, thank you for having me. The course had changed a little bit or... Well, actually pretty significantly if you look at it because they had reversed many of the sections and some of the hills had been altered a bit. But nevertheless, it still very much looked like the middle character, which we are used to seeing at the end of the Super Prestige right now. There's also the oldest cross still existing in Belgium. The first edition was in 1959. So, without further ado, let's get into the racing. Enough facts. It was Lars van der Haar, the Dutch champion and leader in the Super Prestige, who had the fastest start. For the first 15 minutes, he was furious. He was going at it from the front, launching cartouche after cartouche. That eventually led to a situation where only Laurens Zweig and Elisabeth were together with him. Van der Haar was not at any point considering to let the pace drop, and every time somebody else took the lead, he was quick to take over. Unfortunately for him, once they had dropped Eli Isabit, Zweig had the lead in the sand pit and we saw a rare bad passage of Zweig through the sand pit. Van der Haar and Zweig needed to get off their bikes and Isabit was back in the race. Later on, even Joris Nieuwhuis could come back as the pace did drop a bit at the front of the race. However, it was clear that Nieuwhuis had to pay in cash for the efforts he had put in as Van der Haar attacked again. Only Isabit was able to bridge that gap as Nieuwhuis made a bad passage through the sand pit. Van Haar had looked the strongest throughout the entire race, but in the final lap he ultimately had to bow down to Eli Isabit because Van der Haar made a mistake. Up a steep bank he hit the top of the hill with his crank or maybe his pedal, he fell over and that led to Isabit having a gap. Isabit didn't hesitate and claimed victory ahead of Van der Haar who did win the overall super prestige. Behind that, Zweig had the upper hand over Nieuwhuis, which meant that Zweig ended third. The win by Isabit Isam, I can hardly say it is surprising to me, especially after the way this race unfolded. Van der Haar was very aggressive, spending a lot of energy, and it's then not the first time that Isabit comes to the front at the exact right moment. He seems to have like a nose for this, that he knows exactly when to go, when to be where. Because remember back to a race like Rudervoorde or many other examples, you never have the feeling that he's really in it, but in the final lap, he takes it. Yeah, absolutely. Don't give him half a chance because he will take it definitely. And, you know, Van der Haar, like you said, beginning of the race definitely was the one that... that took a lot of initiative which was in a way also understanding because as in the race interview he said that he didn't want to have a lot of riders uh, together bunched together because you know if you have a mechanical or any sort of issue it, it could ruin your your classification obviously he had a very stable lead but everything is possible so um, i think that that w- in that way it was in that sense it was understanding but yeah easier beats didn't look the strongest but going into the last lap with Iserbeet and especially if if you're an equal to him it's it's very dangerous and Van der Haar made a crucial mistake and then from there you know it was for for Iserbeet basically making sure that he that he went through the sand passes well which he did uh, I think the best sand passes for him almost uh, and uh, Van der Haar who went well through the sand was not able to 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 do it again and you know 
before that it was already kind of done and dusted for for uh, van der Haar the chances to win uh, today but I think regardless of his second place today I think that van der Haar was definitely the stronger rider looked very good uh, but Iserbeet also a very uh, deserved winner today yeah for sure I mean it's not really luck that he wins here van der Haar made a mistake himself and that cost him the win I don't think that that final sand passage still affected the result. I mean, sure, Van der Haar needed to grab onto the poles at the side to pull him through, but the gap was already pretty significant. I think once Izabit accelerated after the crash, the gap was five seconds and Van der Haar knew it. Well, it's not for today. Tomorrow there's another day in the X2O trophy. I've won the overall, so I can be happy with that. And it is a shame for him. I think he's getting into a bit of better form again of course he had that tough period in the Christmas period illness then that absolute mud fest at the Dutch Nationals which completely well drained him and then yeah it looks to be a bit better I mean last week at Worlds we already saw that in the beginning he helped launch Van der Poel paid a price for that eventually came back into the race Ultimately lost because he couldn't hop the barriers and I thought that was interesting today because for most part of the race he was hopping the barriers and Sveik wasn't. Sveik was running. I think Sveik was also running last week. We know Sveik isn't too comfortable either but it's something that's maybe been a bit under under the radar or not really gotten the spotlight. Like everybody's like oh yeah Van der Haar should be jumping it cost him too much but if you look at it over the season... I think Sveik is also not too comfortable and has been running plenty of times. And today we could even see the difference that Van der Haar was jumping relatively smooth while Sveik was running almost all of the laps. I mean, Van der Haar only didn't jump in the laps that the pace was super low. Yeah, indeed. I mean, Sveik definitely is also one of those riders that for some reason does not really jump the barriers that often. And Van der Haar has a... You know, sometimes it goes very well, I think, in training, and then he has some confidence to jump over those barriers, and uh, then something happens, and, and then it snaps, and then he just, you know, runs over them. Today, jumped over them, I think, almost every lap or every lap, and I think that's, um, you know, in this race, it was, I wouldn't say crucial, but it was definitely some something where you could save a little bit of energy, and if you have a gap... Uh, and you do not jump the barriers, then that gap will grow. And on a course like this, it's it's hard to create a gap. But when you have a gap, it's also easy in a way to maintain it. It's relatively easy to maintain it because of the obstacles. Because it's you know it's a, not a race where you basically can have a lot of long straights and use your power. You have a lot of sections that turn around and, and, and technical as well, where you cannot really make a lot of difference between the riders and I think that you know with the barriers that definitely with with Sveik today started well but then you know in, later on in the race kind of struggled a little bit and then it's um, you know he had to settle for third the course definitely didn't play into the hands of an attacker I mean Sveik tried a bit in the beginning but especially Van der Haar tried many times to drop the rest it just doesn't work here with the the steep hills, the long straights. You're always within sight and a fast course. It's just not easy to get rid of the rest. And that's ultimately what cost Van Haft was a bit more technical, a bit more corners. A bit earlier and easier that you're out of sight. So 
that could have helped, but it is what it is. You need to race the course that is there, and for Sveik, um, it just wasn't his day. And last week at the Worlds, he had a snap chain at some point, fell back due to that, was in the running for a medal still before. But I do feel that for Sveik, this season is... It, it's been enough like he focused on the world cup did all 14 world cup rounds tried the super prestige ultimately faded in that tried to peak for the belgian championships was good there ultimately missed out due to that incident with van Turenhout. now it wasn't bad but i think the sand was telling normally it's his terrain and now it's just been enough. He's, he's paying the price for a long season. And that's always the weird dynamic afterwards. The performances become super inconsistent. And the other example of that is Michael van Turenhout. Another rider who had been consistent throughout the season. Then ninth today. Also for him, you know, he's an okay sand rider. But even he was like all over the place in that sand pit. I mean, not as drastically as Sveik, who is normally the sand specialist. But... You can just see the season is coming to an end. The morale is becoming a bit lower, especially if there's nothing on the line anymore. And it just all adds up. It's almost like uh, the end of a school year where you're waiting for the summer break. And yeah, then that last week, you're you're not really doing anything. You're, you're, you have to attend. But other than that, it's, it's basically kind of over. And, you know, with the riders now after the Worlds, a lot of a lot of riders are, you know, taking a little bit of rest, no training, some are training, some still feel very good. And it, it's just, I think it's also mentally, it's kind of a, a switch in the mind of the riders that they also feel this kind of the end of, of, of a season. And some are already in that switch of <laughs> season ending and do not really have something uh, to, to gain from from the classification in a way as well so you know all these things add up and you should definitely not draw your conclusions uh, at the end of the season with those races i mean the season is for a big part played there are still some some stakes in terms of classification some points and some places that you can gain uh, and some prize money obviously but other than that it's uh, you know the, the the big races have been done and it's now for uh, the enthusiast uh, as as us that they can enjoy some cyclocross uh, till the till the end of the season. Yeah, it really is the end of the school year because you have the people who've been good all season. They just need to consolidate their classifications. Then you have the people who already have the luxurious position of having a great season. Van Turenhout has two titles. Sveik has won the World Cup, so they don't need to try anymore. The last tests for them, they have already passed the season. And then you have some people who are still motivated to either show their potential or to save their season and graduate to the next year. Because if we look at the entire top 10, we had that win of Isebiet ahead of Van der Haar and Zweig. Then Nieuwenhuis, who tried what he could but paid the price for needing to chase the first part of the race. Very strong performance by Gerben Kuipers in 5th once again. Kuhn also strong in 6th. Then Verstringen in 7th ahead of Van der Putten, Van Turenhout and Orts. Out of this, not really people who need to save their season, but I will once again say very good performance by Gerben Kuipers. The progression he has made is very special. Let's not go into too much detail on him because we already thoroughly discussed him in our Worlds podcast. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out. It's almost our most listened podcast ever, so go listen to it. Good, also strong in six, but I think the most interesting one to still mention here is, I guess, Emil Verstringen, seventh. 
how would you reflect upon the season of Verstringen? Of course, that under-23 European title, but also some very rough races, and especially with, between the elites, it hasn't always been exactly perfect for him. Yeah, I, I think a, a season with uh, some ups, but definitely also some, some downs. It was uh, in, on an age as well, where you can expect such a season. Yeah, he's only 21, it's... Uh, he's definitely someone that has a lot of talent, but it's for me. I think in the summer there were some expectations laid up him with some of his road results, and I think that that was not really fair. But you know you cannot do a lot about it. Um, I think for 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 him in terms of this season, it was it was definitely not not terrible. Um, but I think that he himself maybe expected also a little bit more from it. In the end, I think that that European title is definitely a big bonus, a big plus, and it's something that he you know needs to cherish. And I think next season for him, he's probably going to do I think another year of under twenty three before stepping up to the elite. So I think there are some goals for him next season. Yeah, as you say, the consistency hasn't really been there, but you can't really expect that either. I mean, other under twenty three riders that race today or first year elite actually, Mace Hendricks and Ryan Kamp. They have also had a lot of ups and downs this season. And the expectations for Verstringen were probably too high because that road race, it was not really a high profile road race where he did well. And I feel like he's back in the shadow of Thibaut Nice. Like he's been in that for a while and last season he stepped out of it. And that really raised expectations because Nice had a disappointing season. He stepped in and people were like, well, if you can make another step, you're going to be a serious contender for top fives. That step hasn't been made this winter, but there's still at least two or three more winters for that to be made. Then onto the women's race. Yeah, that really was not the most interesting one as Leonie Benfeld had the best start, but in the first lap, it was quickly Sein del Carmen Alvarado, leader of the Super Prestige to take over. She opened the gap over the rest Lucinda Brand stayed close for a while but started making way too many mistakes, not only in the sand but also on hills and she dropped back to fourth, was even behind the triple seven duo of Van der Heide and Worst. But far behind the back of Alvarado, Brand managed to repack herself past the triple seven duo and drop them, so she ended second. Behind that, Worst did a lot of work for Van der Heide who wanted to be sure that she stayed away from Betsema for the third place in the Super Prestige. That happened, Van der Heide then rewarded Worst with the podium spot, although I think it's a fair conclusion to make that Worst was the strongest out of that triple seven duo. So that makes the podium Alvarado, Brandt and Worst. I don't really have too much to say about the win of Alvarado, except that she really is the deserved winner of the super prestige here, Isam. If you win, I think, five out of the eight races from the top of my head, you've done... Uh, a very good job and certainly deserve that yeah i think i think it was five out of eight and yeah i think in this super prestige this season alfarado and the big three were not there i think she was definitely uh, always one of the main favorites and she also made sure that she was in a very good position to 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 bring to bring a victory home and uh, definitely 100 percent deserved uh, winner of the overall classification 25 thousand uh, euros uh, richer uh, but I think you know this season for Alvarado has been um, I would say a positive season huh? it's um, 
she struggled definitely last season, but this season has been a little better. I think that she can also look back on on, on a very very strong season, and then it's for her. You know the the question is she going to be able to bridge that gap to to Van Empel, to Peterson to Van Android? That is for her, I think, the next step for next season. And uh, but I think that overall she can be very happy with uh, the season uh, how it uh, played out. That is going to be the big question over the summer. Are Alvarado, Brand, maybe Betsman Vorst going to be able to bridge that gap? I remember when Van der Poel and Van Aert came into cross, both made the step to the elite just before the Tavor World Championships. Everybody was, Woo, wow, immediately world champion, only Van der Haar is near. What will this bring for the future? Are we going to be gone for many years of domination? In the end, they were, like, Van der Poel and Van Aert have dominated seasons, but still, in 2016 at the World Championships in Zolder, Van der Haar came very close to a title. Nice. Powell's, Sveik even, featured quite some times there. When Nice retired the season after, it was dominant, but not a class above the rest. They usually won, but the others were able to stay close. So I think it's interesting to what scenario we are going to be going in the women's side. Are Brandt, Alvarado and the rest going to be able to bridge that gap? Or is there really a new generation that has completely taken over? And will they only be left with the crumbs? Because... Realistically, Alvarado deserves the win in the Super Prestige, but she has not been the strongest or the most consistent over the season. There were three riders, at least, to have been stronger, but they prioritized the World Cup. Doesn't take away anything of the win of Alvarado, because she deserved it, and today it was telling for the way she rode her season. It was just flawless. I haven't seen her make too many mistakes this season. And how how other was it for Lucinda Brandt, because... It was the complete opposite, especially in the first part of the race. Mistakes here, mistakes there. I think for Brandt, like, there's not much left for her because Super Prestige was already gone. Focus on the X2O trophy, but even that will be difficult because Van Empel has decided to race tomorrow in Lille, but also the final round in Brussels. I would have been fuming after that uh, announcement that that um, Van Empel actually is going to raise the last two rounds of the XCO trophy for if I was Brandt, but yeah, apparently that is going to happen, and that is obviously going to make it a little more difficult for Brandt to bring that general classification home because you know that gap is 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 quite significant, and uh, normally Van Empel is not someone that is going to be uh, losing out a lot of time uh, compared to, to Brandt. And so, yeah, I think that that it is also a bit unfortunate because normally if Brandt didn't have the issues that she had during the season, it would have played out maybe a little bit different and she would have looked a little bit better in the classifications, I think. And um, because of, you know, how unfortunate she was, it didn't really play out that way. So um, I think that for her, that... She is definitely happy, probably, with how the form is right now. The mistakes today were definitely, you know, costing her quite a lot. But I think that overall, she can um, she can be happy with uh, with the result today, and you know, just try to make the best out of it in the XCO Trophy, the last two races, and you know, see what she can do there. I mean, it's of course the good right of Fem van Empel to race the rest of the XCO series i think she is not only going to take some serious prize money i think thirty thousand for that win but 
also just in general i think she will be getting some big start money because the races they want a world champion they want at least a big name and i think realistically with Van Aert and Van der Poel not there, the rainbow jersey of Van Empel is going to gain more publicity than signing a rider like Isabito Van der Haar, who will be coming regardless of your start money. So Van Empel is definitely going to be getting some big buck. I expect the X2O trophy to be paying for flights back and forth from her holiday because she flew to Morocco on Wednesday to Marrakesh going on a holiday there. That was supposed to be, I think, a one and a half week holiday. So I assume she's being flown back and forth as well i can't really blame anybody for the decisions to do that and i mean brand of course i understand she will be a bit upset in the sense of i thought i was going to be having a clean shot here and that doesn't happen but again van empel didn't do any right today i think she's being flown back today it's not going to be an ideal preparation next week also no training I, I'm interested. I, I want to see how, how that goes. Like, Van Empel might just come with some holiday legs trying to collect some money and not be too bothered. If you go hard right from the start, I don't rule out taking time on Van Empel. But it will need to be better than today, though. And at the end, I think Brandt also knew that. And again, we come back to the end of school reference. It's, it's not that Brandt really has anything to gain anymore with her palmares here or there like she already saved her season or made it a somewhat success with that third place at worlds and now it's really just the final stretch her attention is already at paris roubaix on the road which will be a very good race for her then on to the battle for third we already basically said it in the summary as some Vorst did quite some work and eventually took that third place I don't think Van der Heide really gifted it to her. She was the strongest and that worked to keep Betsema behind. I don't really know what to think about that because Betsema was pretty far behind the entire race and the gap in the overall was also steady before the race. So I think Van der Heide just didn't have what it took to even come close to beating Worst. Yeah, but it, in these kind of gestures are always um, great especially like you said for van der heide that probably today yeah was was not going to be able to uh, bring bring a battle for third with with worst um that was in my opinion also quite clear but if you're able to just have that some sort of a gesture in, 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 in that 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 works and uh, that makes sure it makes sure that that you that you know the the bond as a as a teammate is getting better and better and it helps improves overall and i think that if you are actually ending up in a situation where you need each other you can basically use that what you have done now in a race that doesn't really matter uh, you, you might be able to then get that back somewhere else where it's a little bit more necessary so i think it's um it was a <laughs> kind of a good move for van der heide in a way despite the fact that she wouldn't probably be able to to beat Vorst for third and uh, I think overall Vorst um, definitely was was a good race from her and you know that third place is definitely deserved after the season that she had. If we look at the entire top 10 we see some names that we haven't really seen in the top 10 for a while. Alvarado with the win ahead of Brandt, Vorst and Van der Heide. Very strong comeback by Verdonschot from a bad start ending fifth 
same shame for her that the world championships were a disappointment with uh illness before which also caused her to miss the belgian championships says that that horribly affected her form peak towards worlds and she wasn't in form and now finally has the form Petsma continues what truly is a disappointing season with a uh, 6th place. Let's hope she can turn things around this summer. Riberol in 7th, ahead of Anna Kay. Then Baroni, nice to see her in 9th. And then Rebecca Gariboldi in 10th. I would like to mention Manon Bakker. Not necessarily to roast her or anything, but I don't think I mentioned it in last week's podcast about Worlds. Or maybe I did and forgot, but... She only got called up at 10.30 the night before the race by the national coach. Yeah, you're racing Worlds tomorrow because Anik van Alfa, well, she was unfortunately affected with COVID. But that was not a great preparation. And I think it's always interesting to see the effects of like preparation. You know that you need to have a good preparation for a race. It's no rocket science or anything. But still, you could see that such a short notice had an effect i don't think it had an effect on today's race but nevertheless i thought it was still worth mentioning because many stories of the worlds well they came at the bottom of the pile because there was so much to talk about there but anyway manon bakker still a couple of races to go season is drawing to an end for everyone interesting to see who races what but yeah i think we've had Everyone in the top 10, unless you still want to mention somebody, Yesan? No, I think um, we have gone through them all already during the season. I think Laura Verdonschot, strong result from her to finish in the top 5. And other than that, I think, yeah, we it felt a little bit on the place at the end of the season. It's uh, all, uh, for some uh, riders, it's becoming a bit too much. And for the others, it's... Uh, Still a, a very nice race and a very good result, but I think overall um, no big surprises in uh, in the top 10 and also outside of the top 10. Well then, Isam, that was it. The Super Prestige is over. That was Middelkerke. Thank you for being here to discuss the racing with me. Yes, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. We will be back tomorrow with a podcast about the penultimate round of the X2O Trophy in Lille. After that, there is just one full cross podcast left, and that will be combining Sydney class and Brussels next week, as Osmala is not being shown on public television, only a regional television. Thanks everyone for listening, and see you guys soon. Goodbye.